Today's reading comes from Colossians 3, 5 through 17. Starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Natalie. Well, we are going to continue our series in uh, the Gospel Matters. As we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago, the Gospel is the matter of first importance. And then last week we talked about the importance of the gospel being on the forefront of our minds, to set our minds on things that are above. And I sent an email out this week uh, to uh, recommend a couple of things that I think are helpful to set our minds on things that are above. Though these little devices often can set our minds going any number of ways, there are some really helpful apps. And so the one I want to point you to is called the Uversion Bible app. If you're not, not familiar with that app, that app, uh, we, I think we have a slide about it, um, it has all kinds of translations. You want to read it in, in a different language, you can read it in a different language. There's tons of reading plans there that can serve you to set your heart on things that are above. So the reading plans may be as simple as a few verses a day, or maybe read the whole Bible in a year and everything in between. So I just want to commend that to you as we seek to set our minds on things that are above. And there's a cool feature in that app. If you have the app and you click in the right-hand corner, it says more stuff, you can actually click on events. And if you uh, want, there are the slides, like the, the things we put up on the screen, they're actually listed in there, uh, so you don't have to frantically write stuff down. I know I'm like, like when I write stuff down, the slide goes away, you're like, no, where did it go? Well, it's right here in the Bible app. So hopefully that will serve you as we seek to set our minds on things that are above. Well, today as we continue, we're going to continue in the same book of the Bible in Colossians, and we're going to see that the gospel matters in what we wear. Now you're going, 
all right, what is this, like a message about modesty or something or about style? Because you are not the one to speak to style, that's for sure. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about the physical clothing. I'm, I'm talking uh, just spiritually speaking. In Scripture, we, we see put-offs and, and put-ons, and the gospel speaks to, to our actions, the things that we are to do. But I want to be clear about something before we jump into this text. Oftentimes, people, when they encounter Christians, um, they, they encounter I don't mean to be rude, but they, they encounter junior high boys after they come out of gym class. And you're going like, what, what does that mean? Well, you know, you know what? Maybe you don't know. Obviously, maybe the ladies in the room don't know. But junior high boys, when they come out of gym class, oftentimes they have their gym clothes, right? And, and they, they get all sweaty and whatever. And when they get off, they toss them. And, and I didn't do this. But, man, there are a bunch of guys that toss those clothes and put these clothes on. And then they went to class. And then they wondered why people smelled aromas. Because they didn't clean themselves before they put their clothes on. And too often, people have engaged with believers who have just tried to do the external things. But there's a reality for us as Christians. Because of what Christ has done, we have been washed clean. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He's washed us whiter than snow. I wish there was snow outside right now that I could point to that, but there isn't any. And so even as we're going to talk about actions, I want you to be aware that the actions are not what washes us clean. The actions are a fruit of what has happened on the inside. You have been washed whiter than snow. So let's look at the text, but before we do, why don't we just pray. Father, we need your help this morning as we look at this text. We need your help because we want to reflect the change that's happened internally. We want to reflect externally the things that have happened internally in our lives. And so we ask God for your help. God, we ask Holy Spirit for you to come and bring conviction to us. Not because we need to feel bad, but so that we can reflect more the glory of Christ. So lead us this morning. Help us to save your Jesus even more. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, as we come to the text this morning, the beginning of verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So we need to choose to take off the old clothes. We are redeemed, but we need to choose to take off the the stinky clothes. And we, we do that by, we need to understand the seriousness of sin. It says here in verse 6, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Our sin isn't just an annoyance. Our sin is, is significant enough that it separates us from God. It separates us from God. Apart from Christ, we are separated 
from God. Therefore, we must repent and trust in Jesus. But we must understand that our sin is serious. And oftentimes, as I share the gospel with people, something that they don't know, they just hear, they've heard about Jesus, they've heard it's good news, they think, well, I just need to do the right thing. And oftentimes, they haven't heard about the seriousness of sin. Theologian Leon Morris wrote, he said, unless we give real weight to the wrath of God, unless we hold that men really deserve to have God visit upon them the painful consequences of their wrongdoing, we empty God's forgiveness of its meaning. There is no room for grace if there is no suggestion of the dire consequences merited by sin. God's wrath is real. And sadly, there are many who don't want to speak about sin or they don't want to speak about God's wrath. But Jesus talked about the coming wrath. And so we want to talk about sin and we want to talk about God's wrath because it's real. When we disobey God and we reject his law, punishment must happen. But that is why the gospel is such good news Because when we trust in the Lord Jesus, if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus, if you repent of your sins and you turn to Christ, your sins are forgiven, as I've talked about. You're cleansed fully, and the wrath of God is not coming upon you anymore. Because we're found in Him, as we've been learning. But if we don't understand that seriousness, there's there's no reason to trust in Jesus. He's just a good teacher. He did something far more than teach good things. The perfect man went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And once we have trusted Christ, we want to live in light of that. And though we, we are We are guaranteed deliverance with Christ. We're guaranteed to be in his presence. Nothing can snatch us out of his hands. There's a reality. If we allow sin to creep back into our lives or patterns of sin, it it affects our relationship with God. It might not affect our standing before God. We may be right before God because we've trusted in Christ. But when you choose to sin, you, you choose to suffer. When we allow that to to come and we toy with temptations, we're kind of walking on the edge of a ledge. So we don't want to dabble in it. We don't want to tease it. We face danger if we are indifferent towards sin in our lives. So that's why it says here, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Are we going to be we going to be ruthless about those things or are we going to be reckless? Like, ah, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. Because there's an, there's an aroma attached to those things. And it, it affects us. It affects others. These, these old clothes, you wouldn't go take a shower and put these back on. Just the thought of it's gross. Right? No, we, we want to... We put on the new clothes, but, but there's things that are attached to that, and we have to be intentional to get rid of them sometimes. I had a set of clothes that I wore when I used to toss pizzas in college. Don't ask me to do it again. I'll just probably stick it to the ceiling. But I worked for a pizza place, and I worked for a pizza place for one reason and one reason only, and that was to buy an engagement ring for the most beautiful woman in the world 
who God blinded so that she would say yes to me over 25 years ago. But I worked at that pizza place and I wore the same shirt, same hat. I did my laundry. I washed them every single time. But you know, over time, like there was an aroma that got attached to those clothes. Even after I washed them, they, they just, you, you, I, I'd pull them out. And they were kind of soft because they'd been washed, but you'd smell it and you're like, that ain't right. And when I was done working there, the only thing that I could do with these clothes was this. There's a reason I don't have them to be an illustration because they just had to go in there. I just had to get rid of them. Why? Because they stunk. They were a part of the clothes. They'd gotten on them. And so we need to be that ruthless with sin in our lives. Why? Because you have died, as we learned from the passage last week. You have died. Verse 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Your old self is stinky. And we need to get we need to get rid of that. And so even the list of these things, this isn't necessarily an exhaustive list, but there's anything that draws our hearts away from Christ and focusing on ourselves and celebrating rebellion against God, anything even added to, to this list, we want to get rid of those things. Because we've been raised with Christ and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Author Sam Storm says, eliminate from your life as much as is possible anything that will cause you to stumble. If it is a place, don't go there. If it's an image, turn away. If it's a song, don't listen. If it's a book, don't read it. If it's a liquid, don't drink it. If it's a person, part company. The sacrifice may be uncomfortable, even painful. It will most certainly be unpopular, but it is better that you lose one of your members, then your whole body be thrown into hell, as Jesus said. I mean, even Lazarus, when he came out of the grave, it says that he took off his clothes. They, they said, unbind him. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. He, he had to take off the dead man clothes because they, they took on the aroma. They, they were part of that old life. They were part of death. And so we want to put sin to death in our lives. And again, when we're doing that, we're not doing it to earn favor. The favor has been earned because Christ went to the cross. But we're no longer associated with this old life because our lives are now hidden with Christ. So so when we take steps to put sin to death, we're simply just associating with our new life, who we've been recreated to be. But sometimes we kind of have to, we have to starve that sin because it can come and, it, and there's the temptation. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So we want to put on the new things. We want to put on the new clothes. Like, put on what's new. We, we don't want to feed resentment. We don't want to feed anger. We don't want to feed lust or covetousness. So we need to separate ourselves and, 
and, and look to things that are above. We need to resist temptation when we, when we are tempted to respond. And how do we do that? We look to Jesus. First Peter 2 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. There's going to be a, there's going to be a pull because there's memories with these things. Yeah, if you're thinking about his dirty gym clothes, yeah, there's no memories with those. But there's some things from, from our life in the past where there were memories and there are things that just, we, they, they draw us. We think, oh yeah, just there were good times and we forget about all the bad things that were attached to that. We just seem to remember the good things and there can be this tug, but, but, but maybe I got, you know, but I, I got this and I, I'm putting this on, but I really don't. You know, this is like the, the, the shirt that you can't get rid of in the back of your drawer, right? Like you're told to get rid of it before, but somehow you kind of wad it up and you're stuck in there. I'm just not going to get rid of it. But this is so much bigger than just an old t-shirt that has to be gotten rid of. This is not in accordance with who you've been recreated to be. Jesus, Jesus didn't have to put off because he lived perfectly, but he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly so that those temptations wouldn't draw him away. And that's what we do. We entrust ourselves. Because it's not often a, 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 the battle. We often can see the battle as, I just got to fight that. I just got to fight it. But often it's just embracing Christ. It's embracing Christ that helps us to resist temptation. Another way we put sin to death is we leave no space for it in our life. Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. you are focusing your energies on the things that are above, when we are intentional, because sometimes the intentionality isn't putting that off. Sometimes the intentionality is the putting on as we're thinking on things that are above and we are filling our time, certainly filling, filling some time, maybe as we start our day or end our day, as we study God's word, as we focus our minds, but maybe we are putting application to that. Maybe we're serving other individuals. Maybe we're studying scripture with other individuals. We're filling our schedules. We're filling our time with things that are redemptive, pointing us to the Redeemer. Honestly, sometimes that's what serves because our, our schedule's full. I remember when I was in college, I didn't, I didn't watch hardly any TV. Not that watching TV is wrong, but I enjoy watching a sporting event or a show from time to time. I just didn't. Why didn't I? It wasn't because I was like, I'm super spiritual in this season. I'm not going to watch TV. Actually, it wasn't that at all. My schedule was so full because I'd come to Christ and I was involved with my campus ministry and I was involved with my church. At one time, I was going to two different churches because I wanted to go to nine at one service and 11 at the other one. And I had tons of homework to do. I just didn't have time for the other stuff. So sometimes it's, it's directing our hearts and filling our time with that which is pleasing to the Lord, that helps us to put these things to death because we realize these are the things that fill us. Why? Because they direct us to the one who is actually satisfying. 
Because when we're satisfied in Christ, we have joy and we have peace. When you go to the bottle, it might satisfy for a moment. When you satisfy yourself with Christ, there's peace that really allows you to sleep. Or directs your gaze if you're up in the middle of the night. Or allows you to endure. So we want to put to death the old and then choose to put on the new clothes. Look at verse 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We don't put on the stinky clothes after you get clean because you still smell wearing the old stuff. No, we, we direct our gaze. We meditate on the Savior. Again, Sam Storms has a great quote. He says, I know of only one way to lay aside by meditating on the magnitude of the mercy shown us in the cross of Christ. We must ponder deeply what Christ endured for us rather than fixate on what others have done to create discomfort or pain. That is to say, focus on what Christ has done for you and not on what others have done to you. As we labor to saturate our minds with what Christ has done on the cross, it will gradually, ever so progressively swallow up and erase the pain of what others have done to us. This is the power of grace. This is the, spow, the power of spirit-anointed truth. And it, it takes time. It does take time. We talked about watering last week. We want to saturate ourselves with the things that are above. Becoming what God desires for us is incremental. It's not instantaneous. Though there's an event when we come to know Christ, there's a process that goes as he's conforming us to the image of his son. And I, I like to get places more quickly. Just want to want to get there. Okay, we got this truth. I'm just I just want to get there. I I want to be I want to be done. But God is working. And and it's often the time that's needed in the working. And so it's not so that we don't get discouraged in the time that's needed for God to be working. We need to have our gaze look up. So because this is, this is a process. This isn't just a, you know, a, a quick little project. This is a complete overhaul. He starts with our hearts, starts with the foundation. We're transformed by the power of the gospel. And, and then some things are taken right out of our lives. Because you've heard those testimonies. Yeah, I used to do this. And immediately it was gone. But oftentimes if you talk to those folks later on, yeah, those, those demons, they, they come talking. So we've got to set our minds on, on Christ be renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator. Yeah, we're going to say this again. We talked about it last week. It's so important to renew our minds after the image of our creator. 
Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we don't move on from the renewing our minds. It's not like, okay, we talked about that last week. Now we just talk about what we need to do. And we could focus on just the things that we need to do, but we need to focus on what Christ has done. That's what will help us to do what he has called us to do. Our enjoyment in him is what empowers us to do. Our, our pleasure in God is the thing that gives us the passion to live in purity. So we need to re- renew our, so to do this, because when you go, when you look at the passage, look at verses 12 to 15. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I haven't even finished and you're going, oh, okay. Bearing with one another. Oh, I got to do that too? And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Now certainly we read that, and that just sounds so wonderful for the person sitting next to me. Because that just seems huge. I don't, I don't know. I'm struggling. Not, not with them, because I think these are right, but it's hard to do these things. How do we have the grace to walk these out? We have the grace by, by looking to Christ. You could take some time this afternoon and just, just start at the beginning of Colossians and read it through slowly. You're going to come across some themes that are going to point you to the preeminence of Christ. Because in chapter 1, we learn that there's forgiveness in Christ. We learn there is peace with God because of what Christ has done. If you're struggling with forgiveness, giving or receiving it, we need to ponder the magnitude of what Christ has done. If you're struggling with peace, you're just like, I just want peace. We need to consider the reality. We are no longer at odds with the God of the universe. We were at odds with the God of the universe. But we have peace with God because of Christ and what he did on the cross. We've been completely reconciled to God because of Jesus. That's just in chapter one. Chapter two, no, you're made complete in him. It's not Jesus plus I need to do this thing makes me complete. It's not Jesus plus having you know, a great husband and two and a half kids makes me complete. It's not Jesus plus if my husband fixes himself, then, then it's going to be good. Or vice versa. If, if my wife would just fix herself, Jesus plus, then I am complete. No, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Because we are found in him. So when you struggle with it, you, I'm, I'm just coming up short or there's just something missing in my life. 
Well, I, I think you are experiencing the reality of the brokenness of this world and the effects of sin. But you're not incomplete because you're found in Christ. That's how God looks upon you. He doesn't look upon you and go, yeah, I really messed up a lot. Got a lot of work to do there. No, he has many thoughts about you. Loved you enough. He sent his son for you. The favor that you receive isn't based on what you've done because you can't do enough, but it is based on what Christ has done. Sin also no longer has power over you. At the end of chapter you know, middle chapter 2, he's disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The enemy doesn't have rule over you anymore. He may, he may try to lie to you, but he doesn't have power over you because Jesus, Jesus defeated that, won the victory at the cross. Not even death held him. And your life, as we've talked about, is hidden with Christ in God. Because you've been raised with Christ. And you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And even in this passage, look back at verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones. God's chosen ones. In light of all that you did. In light of all that you've done. In light of all of your imperfections and sins and times when you've rebelled, times when I've failed, times when, when I just feel horrible because of the mistakes that I've made, times when I've been too proud to see those mistakes. Oh, these are the ones that are the chosen ones. Because he lifted your gaze in the midst of our pursuit of ourself, he lifted our gaze to see our condition. And he said, I want you to be in my family. His Holy Spirit brought conviction and you repented and you believed because he initiated and he came after you and he still comes running after. We were singing that. Comes running after. Comes running after me. It's his goodness that comes running after. Not yours. So when we say you are loved at the end, that's not just a pithy statement. That's not just it sounds really great. You know, I just saw a really cool, you know, picture on Pinterest. I didn't see one, but we, we see those on Pinterest, right? But, but pithy Pinterest statements, they don't deliver when the bottom falls out in our life. Or when we realize we've messed up or screwed up or been hurt or jilted or whatever the case may be. But you know what? The love of Christ the fact that he's pursued us, when the bottom falls out and you know you're not alone, that'll deliver every time. The gospel delivers every time. So how do we put on the new self? We start with being renewed in the knowledge after the image of, of its creator. Because I don't want to grow in the into the fullness of who I am. I want to grow into the fullness of who Christ is. My prayer is that we would be the aroma of Christ to God to those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. 
because he's the model we must look to. He is the savior that we must look to. And so we were called to put on love. We to choose to do all this in love. It says in verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is like this cosmic super glue that keeps the church together, that keeps you focused on, on that which God calls you to do. And it's important to choose it and again, this is also not a pithy statement, but when we choose it, we're putting on love because Christ loved us. All the virtues on this list, whether it be compassion, humility, patience, they're rooted in, in love. And we can love because he loved us and we can be sustained if we're rooted in Christ, because love looks like something. It's not just a word to talk about or a, a word to put in a song to sing about. Love believes the best, compassionate hearts, thinking about others more than we think about ourselves. Being patient is being loving. You know, the old self was covetous. We wanted stuff for me. I want it for me. I want to actually take that thing from them because I really want it for me. I'm envious of that thing and I want it for me. I want what they got. But love gives us compassion, puts ourselves aside. Love prefers others more than ourselves, like the humility and the bearing with one another. Bearing with one another, bearing with one another even that phrase, it's just hard, like, Bear, like, oh, that's, that's some work. Yeah, it is. But the old self, it was anger and wrath. I'm not going to bear. In fact, you're going to throw something at me, I'm going to throw something bigger at you. And that's the air we're breathing. You don't have to go far to have someone encourage you to be angry. And to have someone else, they got to get theirs. The gospel says, no, Jesus got yours. That's what the gospel says. It doesn't say you get yours. No, it says Jesus got yours. Kindness, humility. Love builds others up. That's where kindness comes in. When you extend kindness, it encourages others. They are built up. Because they realize that you're not out for something. You're not trying to get something. You're not, you're not trying to use them for you. No, you know, it's kindness. Forgiveness builds up. Because you're releasing to the Father aware of that you've been forgiven. The old self says, malice, slander, I'm a, mm. Oh, that hurts, and so I'm just going to do whatever I can. Even if it's not true, I'm just going to bear you for what you did. The gospel says Jesus was buried for what I did. And he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And that's who we 
look to. Jesus was stripped of everything, but he was clothed in righteousness. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 2, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So friends, this passage ends with this. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's why we want to gather. We want to gather as often as we can gather because we need to teach one another, admonish one another in these things singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Apparently, we've all been recruited for the worship team. We'll see you all here next Sunday morning at like 8 when practice starts. But this looks like something. We do this with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God's done a work, and sometimes we just need to, to just go through the list of the things that he's done because that thankfulness changes our hearts. It just redirects our hearts to see of all that God has done. Then we stop going, why didn't you do this one thing? And then you see all that he has done, and there's grace to endure, to see him work, and faith to pray. This is where the passage ends, but normally at the end I'll pray, and I want to pray. But it's easy for us to just move on. And there's a specific call in here for us to to put off, to put to death, and a call to put on. So I want to encourage us just to take a few minutes as Hugh's just playing in the quiet. We're not going to, no one's going to be asked to stand up. Just in your seats, we're going to just bow our heads and spend a few minutes in prayer. You and the Lord. Stop thinking about the other people that are in the room. And let's just engage with God. Leave your Bible open. Look down at your Bible. Lord, is there something here that you're bringing conviction about that you want me to put off? Maybe I'm going to share it with my small group so that they can walk with me to help put this off. But also, is there something in here, Lord, that you're nudging me about putting on? An action you're calling me to take because I'm more aware of what Christ has done and I just want to reflect his glory. So let's just take a few minutes. Is there one thing to put off, one thing to put on, or just one one or the other? So let's just take a few minutes to pray, and I'll close this in prayer.
Father, we thank you for revealing so much truth about the gospel in your word. I ask God that as we as we transition to sing and as we transition to taking the next steps in our day and our week, that you would direct our gaze to the one who gave his life, the one who went before, who didn't give in to temptation and yet lived so that he would die and take upon all that we deserved. So direct our gaze to him this morning, not on what we have to do, though there's conviction and there's direction. Lord, remind us regularly so that there's, we're aware of the grace that we need to bring glory to your name. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand and sing in response?